I am Jorgen Thompson, your host. My name's Ethan. So this is the Nook of Knowledge, and we're going to be discussing the glass onion today. There's going to be a lot of stuff we're going to be talking about that is going to spoil the movie for you. So if you haven't watched the movie, then you should watch it first. What I kind of want to discuss first with you was Benoit Blanc and why he did what he did during the film. And what I thought was interesting, I have it right here. He says, it's a dangerous thing to mistake speaking without thought for speaking the truth. What kind of persuaded him to say this to Birdie J when he was at the party? What I first think of is how Benoit carries himself. He is very focused to detail. So in everything that he's doing, he's looking at the micro and he's able to speak precisely on what he wants. So he's not just speaking what's coming to his mind. Rather, he's filtering out through all these different things. And then he's coming to a statement that he wants to say. To represent himself how does that work though how does his mind work like that like because at the beginning of the movie he's talking about how he really needs a case and his he's, he even says that his mind is like a, a moving race car it just has nowhere to drive that's what he says and and to me that's quite interesting because i don't work like that and i feel like a lot of people don't work like that and so do you think that was that gained or do you think that was something that he had just growing up I'd say it's a little bit of both, yeah. like, like most things. Uh, there'd be part of him that was always like that, focused on the details. But I think another part of it is learned. In the beginning, when Benoit is actually playing Among Us with his friends, <laughs> what I find interesting is he doesn't like the game because he thinks it's too obvious. <laughs> Yeah, even though he ends up killing somebody in plain sight, and they also see him vent. In that moment when he's playing Among Us, he's like, this is such a foolish game. Like, and he, he, like everyone saw him do what he did. And he even says, like, in, throughout, in the middle of the film as well, uh, he says to Helen, when, when they're kind of conspiring things, he says, I'm very bad at dumb things. I think he might have just said that, uh, not as a way of being better than someone. I think he was just saying that as... Just because that's how he is. He just says things bluntly, but he doesn't... I don't think he thinks about how it comes off sometimes. That could have gone off in a way that felt like maybe cocky or something like that. With him saying it, it actually doesn't. Like he says it in a way that makes it just natural. You know, when, when I feel like a lot of people wouldn't be able to pull off a natural statement like that. Yeah. I'd say the way that Benoit carries himself is quite different from the rest of the characters as well. Uh, he is more reserved and analytical. And really, when everything's said and done, I think it's interesting with the, I'm bad at stupid things. Yeah. Especially when you see where the movie goes. Mm -hmm. Where <laughs> ultimately what's happening is quite stupid. And for a while, he struggles to get the answers to solve the case. And I think that represents the, that concept pretty well. That is really good. That's interesting, actually. Um, now, getting, getting back to uh, what happens on the island as well with, with Benoit, you know, he thinks that he's being invited. You, at least you think that he thinks that he's being invited, right? Uh, but then in reality, he's not actually invited at all. And, then, and all this stuff, and he gets, he, he's able to kind of fool 
uh, Miles Braun a little bit in that sense. Uh, but what I like is that throughout the whole film, he picks up on all these little details that Miles does uh, for the, the, the ending when he ties it all together to him just being an idiot <laughs> from what he does. Right. I think my favorite representation of that in the movie is when Benoit talks about the glass onion. He, he makes the comment that it looks so intricate and so complicated. And when you look at it in the movie, it does look that way. It looks really complicated. But in reality, Benoit, he points this out, that it's actually not very complicated at all. Yeah. And that when you really think about this glass onion, it's a very simple thing. Mm-hmm. And so in that way, it, it ties together with that concept that Miles Braun, very simple. <laughs> and, really, <laughs> and really, that's what I think makes it harder for Benoit is because he thrives on the complicated. And when he doesn't receive that, it's, it's almost like it's harder for him than when there's something really meaty for him, like a meaty mystery. Yeah, that's true. Um, that that kind of goes into when he just very easily destroyed his plan for the entire weekend, Miles' plan. Yeah. Just completely destroyed it with his analytical thinking. Uh, and Miles even had like a, a professional writer to write this, this murder mystery that they were going to do on the island. That was a piece of cake for him. Uh, even though it was probably very difficult for the average person. But uh, I think he, like, he does have that, like what you were saying before, he does have that natural gift of just uh, being able to discern what is happening around him. And, and a lot of that also came from him being a detective, and he, he does gain different skills from that too, so it is both. Um, but, but yeah, I think that he displayed that very well. But I also want to go back to uh, Miles Braun here because uh, we were kind of just discussing how he is an idiot throughout this entire film. And, uh, but it's, it's so hard to see for others throughout the film. Like, others don't see that. They, they follow him everywhere. And, you know, why is that? Like, why is he so... Why is he a billionaire, right? And so... What do you think about that? Like, how do you think he became a billionaire with his level of intelligence? I wish I knew it'd make it easier for me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, for Miles, I think what really helped him was surrounding himself with successful people in the beginning, especially when he was around Andy. For her, she was a very successful person and she was a visionary she had all these ideas and i think miles could recognize that and in in lack for a better way he almost became a leech and he attached himself to the success of others and i think that's that's quite common i think it's important actually for people to uh, find people that are like-minded, that are successful, and work together because that's how you become more successful is by working together. And I think that's where it first started for Miles and for Andy because that's what happened. 
they worked together and they created this successful company. But then what happened? Miles, he goes out and stabs Andy in the back. So I think really what gave Miles the success was being around others who were successful. And now he's in that state where he's already found the success and he began to cut those people out of his life. And what begins to happen, we start to see it fall apart. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, because he, well, near the end there, he he was no longer treating his team as a team. He was more treating them as ways for his own gain, Mm -hmm. right? Like branching out and they're, they're doing their own thing, but they're all attached to, to, uh, to him, basically. Yeah. Yeah. Like, he's just milking their talent, basically. As they say in the movie, they're all attached to his golden titties. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Those must taste pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> That's the only reason they're still there. Yeah. So, with... So with that happening, like them just being attached to his golden titties, like as we've been discussing, uh, uh, why why are they still? Is the only reason they're still doing that because they are gaining from it? Like, are they? They're, I guess they're gaining uh, as you know, money, a lot of money from that as well. Uh, um, But is that the only reason? why like do they do they still see him as a friend at the beginning i think there is a part of friendship there there's the essence but i think another part of it is that they've been together for such a long time that it's almost that mentality of i've put so much into this i don't want to give it up now and i think for for quite a few of them they're going to continue to do whatever it takes to keep this relationship going, to keep the success that they have found so they can continue to go higher. Uh, like mentioned before, they're, they're trying to come together to become more successful. The only problem is their, their foundation at this point is being set on lies and being set on fraud. And so that's really going to hurt them. I kind of want to talk about Helen Brand real quick uh, with because we don't even know that it's Helen until like the middle of the movie that that she's actually Helen. Uh, uh, but what kind of drove her to work with Benoit in this sort of relationship that they had? It was kind of interesting how it all played out, how like in the beginning, she she comes to him, uh, you know, looking to go. Uh, go on this boat right and go into go on this island go on this trip right um what do you think persuaded her more so to even go with him uh well for helen i really think it came down to uh her search for the truth being in her situation her sister has died she doesn't know who did it she really has no answers and her only chance to get any kind of peace on the situation is to join up with Benoit. And so really she's looking for that truth. I, I find very interesting how, you know, when they're, when they're talking, Benoit and, and Helen are talking at his place. Um, she had no intention of going on the boat and he, he just had this plan like, Oh, you should come with me and pose as your sister, Andy. 
right? Uh, and she was like, what? That's insane. Like, no one would even believe that, right? Like, that sounded, that sounded pretty insane to her at the, at the beginning. But yet she still went, even though Benoit even gave her a way out. He's like, actually, never mind. It's going to be too dangerous, right? Just stay back. And she was like, actually, no, I'm going to do it. Was it the fact that he said, actually, never mind, that kind of drove her to doing that too? Because I know that some people, you know, she might have been a very stubborn individual. Like, we don't know that, mm-hmm. right? And so if that's the case, then maybe it's like, actually, I'm just going to go. And subconsciously is because he said no. That yeah. she wasn't going to? That definitely could be the case. Yeah. If that was you, why do you think you would have done it? Why do I think I would have done it? Yeah, if you were in her place. Oh, that's a good question. Yeah, I... Well, if, if I was in her place and, and all, that, all that stuff actually happened to me, what happened to her? Um, I think that I would, I would go on the boat and risk that danger uh, you know, simply to find the truth. And I think that's what she was doing too. Right. She was, she was simply trying to find the truth. Um, and she might not have realized the best way when she came to Benoit, but when he posed that to her, it kind of made her think of, of maybe better ways to find the truth. And, and, you know, initially finding the truth is actually a very hard thing to do. No one knows, like there's, there's probably so many principles that I use on a daily basis that are not true, you know? And so finding the right principles to go off of is very difficult, um, especially in, in, a, in her shoes where she is, uh, she's doing what she's doing because she's probably pretty angry at those people. Uh, and, she, uh, and she's very thirsty for that. She's just quenching for that truth. You know what I'm saying? That's right. She, she's just thirsty, man. She wants that. She wants that truth. And so, like, if with that being said, like, she, uh, she really is trying to uh, push her way through all these, these obstacles, uh, you know, getting shot, all these dangerous things to find that. And, and maybe she's going off of good principles. Maybe. But, you know, it, it's, it's very hard to discern whether that's true or not. Um, you know, especially if we, if we relate that to our daily lives as well. Like, for me, my personal life, like, finding that balance between, between what is right and what is wrong. It's, it's very hard to find the right thing sometimes. I think one of the reasons for that is just because of the principles that we set for ourselves. And not just that we set for ourselves, but that we grow up with you know, from our parents and, and from interacting with others just throughout our life, principles add on, just slowly add on. And, and these principles, we don't really know that they're true. Like some of them we do. Some of them we know that are absolutely true. Some of them are, are principles that we've heard from someone that we ado- adopted because we think it sounds pretty good. Mm-hmm. We think it sounds true, but it doesn't necessarily make it true. Right. Yeah. I think that really applies to Helen as well. If we kind of look at her past, uh, she grew up with Andy. They weren't a well-off family. Uh, They worked hard for what they got. And you can tell that a lot in the movie as well. Because Helen, she is working for that truth. She's putting in the work. She's ruthless. That's right. She really is. And uh, really, whenever you are searching for the truth, 
it's important to have that ethic behind it to really be able to push yourself to work hard and to sift through the abundance of knowledge that we have because now in this day there's so many different ways and perspectives to look at the world and it's hard to understand what might be the truth what's not and so you really do need to uh, work hard you need to uh, be able to look at each situation in a almost like a third person situation, yes, which agree. Helen does that, yeah. as as she impersonates Andy, mm-hmm. and so I think all of those things really help her in finding that truth. Going back to that third person idea, I I really like that idea actually because I I've had I have heard that before. Mm-hmm. Um, just kind of as you're talking, look at yourself uh, as you're talking and. This really goes with in with awareness, and I'm, I really like the idea of awareness, uh, and the reason why I like it so much is because uh, if if you are so aware of every th- action, every behavior that you do, uh, it can it can open your eyes to to every fault that you have, and that's a very difficult thing to do as well. Like you just. It's very hard to be aware 24-7. And it's not only hard, it's exhausting, actually. And so I can only do it, you know, for a little bit amount of time. And then I just, it exhausts me. Like, I, I can't do it all the time, right? And, but I, th- I found, though, when I have looked at myself like that through the third person and, and being able to uh, kind of see what I say uh, and just being aware of what I say, a lot of the times I'm not saying the right things or i'm just you know a lot of it's just straight trash like you know especially especially around my parents i or my family in general i don't know why but a lot of the stuff i say is just trash and i don't even know why i'm saying it you know like stuff like that and i I do that with some of my friends too and just and you know afterwards i think about what i was saying and i'm like are you kidding me like why you know, this might also be off topic, but <laughs> but it really is like being an autopilot. And how often do we switch into autopilot mode throughout the day? Yeah. How, how often are we actually making those conscious choices and decisions? Because mm-hmm. like you said, it is exhausting. And it's hard to be present all the time. So really, like, what can we do in order to manage that? And by looking back at the film, uh, what we see Helen do isn't the healthiest. <laughs> what she's choosing to do, she goes straight for the alcohol. Yeah. And she, she boozes herself up. <laughs> now, for her, it works. Uh, but really, that poses the question, what can we do in order to, to assist us? Because for each of us, it's going to be different. So what can we do in order to help manage that and stay in control throughout the day? That's a very good question. Like, how do we, how do we manage, uh, like, our actions? Yeah. How do we manage to stay in control and not switch into uh, autopilot? That's a good question. And, and that kind of wants me to go into a different, like, pull that in a different direction as well with with the subconscious as well cuz you know how how often are you really sub subconscious throughout the day and i find that 
I find that it's actually quite a bit, you know, when you're driving, I don't know if you've, you've noticed this if you're ever driving, but I've, I've driven before where there's been a period of time when I've been driving that my subconscious self has been driving all the time. But, and it's (laughs) like, I'm like, why does that happen? And how do I know where to go? You know what I'm saying? Like, that is so interesting to me, but, but with what you were saying though, about how to control that and how to kind of, uh, stay on the right track of, of, your behavior and your actions, I find that very, uh, very interesting in the sense that we, we can't, I mean, we can control our actions, but to a limited extent, mm-hmm. all of us, like it's, it's very hard to control everything that you do, right. right? Like everything you do is not going to be planned out. It's not going to be goal oriented. Uh, it's, it's going to be things that just are, you know, sporadic, you know, things like that. And that's okay. It's okay if it's, if it's not in control all the time, but when it's with serious things, like, like what Helen was doing as well, like how you're saying she turned to alcohol and it kind of worked for her, I guess. Right. Uh, We can really shape our lives, I guess, if we, if we try and control what we say and what we do. And that, that just goes down to, to being aware of what you do and say. And that's really all we can do. And at the end of the day, you can critique yourself all you want. Uh, but once you be aware of that uh, and kind of judge yourself accordingly, then behaviors start to change. And once your behaviors start to change, you become a better person. That's good. And it doesn't happen overnight. No, it doesn't. Yeah, you can't just do a 180. It's more so 1%. What's, what's something that I can change to change my life 1%? in order to become 1% better in whatever it is that you're doing. So with Helen, uh, I think what she helped us understand is that we need to search for truth, we need to be more present, and we need to figure out for ourselves what can we do in order to be more present a little bit at a time each day. Yeah. So. Yeah, how do we be more present? Right. Yeah, that's good. Um, and I have another question, you know, ac- kind of according to Miles Braun, like how can we avoid being like Miles Braun, right? Because <laughs> I feel like that's a very, because I, I mean, some of us, a lot of us can, actually all of us, all of us can be idiots sometimes. Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess, I guess not idiots in ourselves, but we can do dumb things. All, everyone does dumb things. Almost every day. Right? Yeah. <laughs> like, everyone does dumb things and it's, that's okay. You know, just you mm-hmm. work at it. Right, uh, you know, but how do we, how do we stop ourselves from, or stop ourselves from being tempted by using others or by, uh, by this idea of power, greed, you know, all that that comes with it. It's it's actually it's very desirable, mm-hmm. right? And since it's so desirable, it causes it causes people to do bad things. Yeah. Right? And so how can we stop ourselves from, from doing things like that? Uh, for me, what I think of is uh, Miles was a lot of an opportunist. When mm. he saw an opportunity, he would pounce on it. Yeah. It didn't seem like he really had any rhyme or reason to it, though. Mm. And he would just kind of jump on whatever was going on. And I think a really good way to avoid being like Miles is to set up what our priorities are now 
And so in order to do that, we need to think to ourselves, what are my core values? Uh, where do I stand on certain things? If certain events were to happen, what would I do? Yeah. I think for most of us, we don't have to worry about like, if I needed to get rid of somebody, what would I do? <laughs> or anything like yeah. that. But I think it still applies in our life. Uh, what, what is important to us? And if we were in certain situations specific to us, how would we handle that? Mm -hmm. So I'd ask you that question. Uh, if you were in Miles Braun's situations, what kind of things would you have as boundaries that you wouldn't fall into what he did? That's like a very uh, businessman-centered question, I think. Like, <laughs> I mean, I, I just imagine myself as a businessman when you ask me that. And nice. Like, like, you know, in, in that situation, uh, you know, what things to stay away from, what things to, to pursue, you know, things like that. Mm -hmm. And uh, it, it brings my mind to that, oh, I can't remember what it's called, that crystal stuff that he's like really, it's like hydrogen gas or right. something. Right. It's the new fuel. Yeah. Oh yeah, what he calls called? he calls it clear with a K. Right. That's clear what he calls with a K. Yeah. <laughs> clear with a K. And he's so obsessed with it mm -hmm. that it's dangerous. Yeah. Right? And it's simply because he pursued he, I think he pursued something that was kind of started he thought was going to trend. Mm. Right? Cuz he he found it from, you know, some guys from a different country and he's like this looks like a trending thing. I'm going to make this trend. Like, I think, he, I think he's all about the trends. I think that's, okay. I just, like, when I think about him, I think about how uh, throughout his career, he's kind of going with each trend, which actually is a fine business model. Uh, if you're being moral about it, right? If you're not being too risky and dangerous and doing things that might cause people to die, which he ends mm. up, you know, doing. Uh, <laughs> but uh, in order to stay away from those types of of situations is to uh, critique yourself every night just like you know before you go to bed make sure you are aware of your actions just go back to that awareness right mm -hmm. and and another thing with that is is being able to uh, be honest with yourself when you are doing these these uh you know maybe potentially immoral things, right? Like he was probably not thinking very clearly when he decided to uh, kill off Andy <laughs> or like things like that. Like she, she, uh, she set up this envelope where it was gonna, it was gonna hurt him in, in a very bad way. Like it, he would have been destroyed if that envelope got out. Mm -hmm. So he's like, well, I'll just kill you then. <laughs> so like, um, I think... I think that he was so entrenched in his greed and his power that he just did not want to lose that. Mm. And, but, but at the same time, it was his own fault from the beginning yeah. of how he got to that point, right? Like he could have he heeded Andy's advice because it was good advice. Like why did he not do that? He was, just, he was just a little greedy and he wanted a bit more money. He wanted to try to make a new thing, right? And he's, I think he's, his mind works as like, He's just trying to create the next best thing all the time. Yeah. And that can lead to danger, you know, if you're not careful. Yeah. But anyways, yeah. I like that, actually. I think 
uh, what what kind of sparked that for me was when you were mentioning that you need almost like a daily check, mm-hmm. and that is important. You need a to check in with yourself, yeah, and think to yourself, should I have killed that person? <laughs> Probably not. Oh man, <laughs> probably not. And so, just like Miles, same situation for us. Check in daily. Make sure that you're reviewing what you are doing, where you want to go, yeah, and make sure that you're not doing it in a destructive way. Yeah, that, and that goes along with being a businessman in general, I guess. Like, you know, he he rose to to fame and power just from. Andy's work and mm-hmm. the work of these other people, but but out of all those people uh, that were actually doing something, actually making their own stuff, he landed on top, even he though nothing was his own idea. Yeah, which is very interesting to me. Like, how did that work? And I think that it's because he thinks differently than everyone else does, than than the other group, the the whole everyone else in the group does. Yeah. Uh, oh, in what way would you say? Yeah, like I, th- I think that he thinks differently in the sense that uh, he, I think he's a little bit of a psychopath. Like actually, <laughs> a lot of a psychopath. Like I, okay, there, there is certain traits. Uh, you know, in if you study psychopathy, there's certain traits that uh, that add up to becoming a diagnosed psychopath, right? And he, and in the film, he demonstrates a lot of traits. That go along with being a psychopath, mm. and one of those is is a uh, little empathy, you know, uh, using others for your own gain. That's that's a big one for for psychopaths, and you know, psychopaths don't have to be, you know, murderous villains. Mm-hmm. You know, in fact, like politicians, people like them have a lot of traits of in psychopathy, right, and just just things like that, and so he. He thinks differently in the sense that he doesn't care what what happens to them as long as he lands on top, mm-hmm. right? Whereas they're kind of more focused on their own thing, they're what they want to do, you know, what they're passionate about. That's what they're focused on. But he's not focused on that. He's just focused on getting to the top and doing it quickly. That's that's what he was focused on, right? You know, I feel like that's a more common trait these days as well. Yeah. Because I think a lot of people are more concerned with uh, that status and reaching a certain uh, status amongst others Mm -hmm. instead of focusing on what they actually want to do. Yeah. Uh, I saw a video recently where this person was asking people, uh, like, how much money do you want to make? And he would ask people and they would say a number and he goes to this kid and he asks this kid and the kid just says i want to make people healthy he wanted to be a doctor Mm. and i think that's important to remember that that view especially an innocent view from a child who hasn't had uh this this focus shift into status rather than what's actually important and that's helping others and fulfilling those needs for ourselves and for others yeah because really with miles he's just trying to better himself he's trying to get ahead Mm -hmm. and he doesn't care if he's hurting other people no 
And so really Miles is showing us exactly what we shouldn't do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that, that's a good point, actually. Uh, I mean, that goes to, I, I just think about how we should, we should go back to thinking more like children sometimes. Like, because, yeah. I mean, children, sometimes they're brats, yeah. <laughs> but they have, some, they have some good moral points, though, if you pick them out. Right. Right. Like they're not interested in what you said, like money. Right. They're not interested mm-hmm. in power and status, prestige. Right. They're they're interested in what they want to do, and that's I think that's uh, a perfect example of how we should behave. Mm. Um, but at the same time, some people's passions and ambitions is just uh, getting the most money, and you know it, it's and that's that in itself is kind of interesting to me, just because. I don't necessarily think that way. And I know a lot of people do, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and yeah, they're, they're good at doing that. They make a lot of money, you know, with, with all these trends these days, you know, drop shipping and, and things like that, that get, they, I mean, to me, they seem immoral at a glance, but uh, then again, I, I don't really know. Cause I don't, I don't, I've never done it, yeah. but <laughs> I, I don't know. Just, the the thought of just them building a company simply just to make money and no, and there's no passion around around that except for the money part mm. um, is do you think that's a good way of looking at things or or just an okay way of looking at things or do you think that's a way that should not be looked at at all? Uh, I think it's important to uh, look at things in uh, different viewpoints. Yeah. For myself, I've definitely. Uh, been focused on money quite heavily before and i've uh more recently shifted uh not away from that but shifted to it in a different light Mm. and what i think is important is to be able to do that Mm -hmm. to look at it from a different light and not be so focused on uh really like that status the money the power right but think to yourself why do i want those things why do i want the money why do i want the status and try to figure out uh what need you're actually requiring mm-hmm. for somebody if if they're really focused on money it might be because they actually need money it might be because they're trying to impress other people and there could be a lot of different reasons why they're pursuing that thing. Mm-hmm. And it's important to look at it from a different direction because I don't think that money is evil by itself. Yeah. But I think idolizing it, I think that is. Mm-hmm. And so it's important to uh, figure out why you would be pursuing that thing and pursue it in a way that is ethical pursue it in a way that is right for you and for other people Mm -hmm. because you shouldn't be cheating other people uh you shouldn't be putting people beneath you to raise yourself up and i think that's really what it comes to Mm -hmm. and you said that you want to look at it in a different light uh what light do you think you're you are looking at or were looking at it before Mm -hmm. uh before I was just like, I need to get money. Yeah. And that's really all I would think about. I was like, oh, man, I just need this money, money so bad. Yeah. And I think just throughout uh, 
different experiences, I've realized that uh, just having money doesn't solve any problems. There's mm-hmm. people who make a lot of money and they also spend a lot of money. I think what's more important for me now is uh, being sustainable mm-hmm. with what you have. Yeah. And so uh, for anything that you do earn or that you do gain, it's important to uh, cherish that thing and to use it in such a way that you can continue to do that. Mm-hmm. So for me, that's uh, not spending money on frivolous things. That's being very conscious with what I put my money towards, making sure it's going towards good causes. Mm. And while I'm earning money, that's also uh, doing it in responsible ways. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's more where I am now, is uh, being more sustainable, more ethical okay, yeah. than I was before. Yeah. I mean, I have seen you waltzing around the street. You are a pretty, uh, <laughs> you are a pretty ethical man. Oh, that's what I pretty, like to hear. Pretty charitable. Oh, good. <laughs> <laughs> See, given to the homeless. <laughs> good stuff. But anyways, like I, uh, you know, I, I think that you're, you're right on track with all that. And, and it just, because I, what I was thinking about what, while you were talking was mm. how a lot of, I mean, I don't know how many people actually think this, but uh, how money is their source of all happiness, mm-hmm. right? And uh, I disagree. And, and if you, I mean, if you study philosophy, this is, this is a very big topic, you know, uh, around the, the ancient uh, Romans time uh, with all those, the philosophers with Socrates, this, is a, this was a very point that they tried to focus on, actually, was what is the main source or what is true happiness they Mm -hmm. they wanted to know right and and they came up with all sorts of explanations of what true happiness really is and and uh, one thing they excluded was was money and the reason that they excluded money as true happiness is because uh, money leads to other forms of happiness and they were talking about how true happiness is 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 just happiness in itself and it Mm. it doesn't lead to or branch off into any other forms of happiness it's just happiness as a whole right right? whereas money it it leads to other forms of happiness so like that's that's kind of uh, a theory that they that they went off of and i kind of agree with as well Mm. i think that's good Mm -hmm. wow yeah when you look at this film uh money definitely does drive a lot of the people but it, it's also that status. It's also uh, really just growing their audience for mm-hmm. some of them and gaining greater control. Mm-hmm. And I think in those things as well, it's important to have that same mindset. Mm-hmm. So that's yeah. really good. Yeah. And going back to that, the film as well, actually, uh, what, uh, what do you think about the way that... Uh, Helen smashed everything at the end. Like, what I what I'm really asking is, do you think that was okay to do for her? Because uh, I feel like mm. I feel like if you really pick that apart, uh, you could see some immoral immoralities in there, maybe. Uh, but I feel like a lot of people would say with agree with what Helen did. I think like right. if you're watching the movie, I think you would agree with what she did. Yeah, right. But if you're just looking at it from a different glance. 
there was probably some immoralities, immoralities in there, but, but do you think that those were justified uh, considering the circumstances? Mm. You know, when I was uh, looking at that scene for the second time, I was thinking, I was like, why is she smashing all of these things? And I, I was like, what, what is she trying to prove here? And uh, what, what I think it is, is that it's rebellion. She's rebelling against what seems to be this uh, all-powerful force in her life. Uh, she's been bested at this point by uh, Miles, who already got rid of all the evidence. So mm. she now has really nothing. Yeah. And what does she do? She starts to take all the glass sculptures and starts to smash them all. And for me, I was like, wow, she is rebelling against Miles. I also kind of thought of it in like a mental kind of way and where she is breaking down all these barriers, all these glass barriers. And that can be the same for us as well, where we need to get rid of these barriers that are there for no reason. Mm. And so that's kind of what I was thinking. I don't know. What, what were your thoughts on that? Because <laughs> no. they might be totally different. No, that's good. Like <laughs> kind of as a metaphor, really, yeah. just as for breaking the barriers, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, well, when I was watching that scene, I, I kind of thought to myself, like, because I, I, I really want to critique everything, right? And even if people disagree, because uh, it's very hard to disagree with something that most people agree with. It's yeah. pretty hard to do that. And so I was trying to look at it from different perspectives uh, and try to understand what I truly think. and. And I think that, you know, given the cir- circumstances, uh, it, I mean, I honestly still don't know. Like, I, I watched it three times, and every time I, I look at it, there's, there's so many things that could have gone better. Like, she should not have just waved the napkin in front of him for him right. to burn. Right. Like, she yeah. shouldn't have done that. I was like, why are you so close to this fool? Like, yeah. right? Like, that part was bothering me. Like, why would you stand so close? Like, there's obviously something that's going to happen. Yeah. And, and then she kind of justifies herself a bit and breaks everything, burns its entire place down with the hydrogen gas. And I think in a movie perspective, in a movie perspective, that, would, that was totally okay. And the reason for that is because it kind of harmonizes the entire film into this one spot, mm. right? And so, like, the film just simply wouldn't be as good without it. Right. And so, like, in a movie perspective, that was good. That was a good movie scene, right? Because, uh, like, the hydrogen gas, you know, it's kind of ironic that she threw it in and it blows the entire place up, mm-hmm. and he's using that fuel, right? Uh, but looking at it in a personal life perspective i think she could have handled it better um (laughs) you know maybe gotten some lawyers in there and she probably she might have just still gotten destroyed by those lawyer by his lawyers but um i don't know i just if it was a if it was reality Mm -hmm. uh i just 
it would be hard for me personally to justify that. I think for me, in that scene, yeah, it was it was definitely not like the best call just to start smashing things. Yeah, but I think it was necessary, mm-hmm. and I do think that um, in the end, I mean, Helen, she was to the point of if I can't uh, redeem my sister, if I can't get to the truth and expose the truth for everyone else the least i can do is take the power away from miles Mm -hmm. this bad man yes and so that's what we end up seeing that's true she smashes all the glass and she ends up blowing the place up Mm -hmm. with that new clear energy and even gets rid of the mona lisa (laughs) yeah which basically got rid of miles money oh yeah so yeah in the end she was able to uh find a form of justice Mm -hmm. i'd say in a personal sense you also could justify that behavior because she kind of freed those other people that were attached to his golden titties Mm. she really you know what i'm saying like she (laughs) Uh, she they kind of broke free after that like they're they're no longer a needing to hang on to him yeah right which is actually pretty good and mm. you could see it as you know a way of you could justify it because of that reason right like she she does this horrible act uh in order to to save the lives of these other people you know mm. help them to be free of of miles right you know, as I look at this movie more and more, I begin to think of the whole concept as your mind. Mm. The glass onion can be your mind. Yeah. And each of the characters can de- be a different part of us. And each different part of us can be uh, driven by, by something that isn't good. And it's important for us to free our mind of those things that, that restrict us or hold us back and allow us to be free. Mm-hmm. And so just like in that ending scene when everything is smashed, all of the characters are then free to choose for themselves instead of being locked into these uh, avenues of power and greed. And so... Just like that, we need to uh, free our minds and allow ourselves to uh, choose for ourselves mm-hmm. and not be tied down to a few things that, that rule our world. That's really, that's all I got. <laughs> that's, that's good. I think we should end it there, actually. That's a good point to leave off at. I think so. Yeah. Um, And I just wanted to thank everyone for listening as well. We'll see you all in the next episode.